I would be remiss if I did not start this episode with a call to action and that I need everyone to support Cynthia Corsetti during her pre-launch of her book, Dark Drivers. So for those of y'all who don't know, the pre-launch is arguably the most important stage. Her book, Dark Drivers, is set to release early next year, 2024. So we need all the love, all the support that we can get. We'll put all the information not only in the bio, but she also spoke about it towards the end of the episode. So what are dark drivers? A concept that you may not be familiar with, a term that you may have never heard before, but ultimately really these subconscious triggers that live within us and they can affect our lives both personally and professionally. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're unaware of it. We think that we've gotten over these things and little do we know they're still there shaping everything that we do on a daily basis. So really uncovered a lot for me in this episode. And I think you'll be able to even do some self-reflection and self-realization just the same. And Cynthia was even able to walk us through the journey of writing the book and how writing a book is far different than marketing a book. But nonetheless, like I said, we're going to show her all the love, all the support as she kind of continues to undergo this process. So without further ado, enjoy episode 154 from darkness into light. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Down to Business podcast. And look, I bring my A-game for every interview, but just in talking to Cynthia and just getting her intro to the podcast and how she was able to come across my videos and my content, she sparked me up a little bit. So now, y'all, I'm giving y'all the best of the best. Not to say anything before or anything after wasn't a quality content, but I feel like, in a sense, she called me out in a good way, and I love that. So I'm going to give her the energy. She's going to give me the energy, but very excited to be sitting down with her. One, because the concept in which she's here to talk about the book and everything, I think it's going to pique some interest today. It definitely piqued my interest. I was doing some research and everything of the sort, but very excited for her to give y'all everything because I'm sure she's going to enlighten me on some things, teach me some things, even maybe even correct some things. So we're going to get into a little bit of everything, but I also have to give a big shout out to the team over at Podcast Virtuoso, man. Ever since we connected months back, they have sent me amazing people, Cynthia being one of them. So very excited to continue to have that partnership with everything. So I'm going to let Cynthia really take this over. She's really going to make things happen for y'all today. So just listen up attentively, give us all the energy and for everybody tapping in new, old. Let's do it. So Cynthia, how you doing today? How's everything on your end? Oh, I'm wonderful. And thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, absolutely. We're very, very, very excited to have you. So in getting into everything, I know we're going to have some people from your side. I know we're going to have some people from my side. And I know in between, we're going to have some newcomers along people just finding out about the podcast, just finding out about what you're doing on your end. So to even the playing field, to get everybody up to speed, can you one, just tell us a little bit about yourself? And then can you two, just tell us what brings you on the Down to Business podcast today? Absolutely. So I'm Cynthia Corsetti. I'm an executive leadership coach, and I've been doing that for about 15 years. And I formerly, I was an executive VP of HR. So I, I come from corporate, then went into the coaching and training. I specialize in usually C-suite executives and high potential executives who are on their way to the C-suite. And the um, reason I started getting into podcasts and being guests on podcasts is because of the upcoming book. Um, and I'm also starting to really enjoy it. <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I always like listening to them, but yeah, so... So that's why I'm here and Podcast Virtuoso, like you said, connected us. So I'm kind of excited. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I love that. So already talking about some of the experience, already talking about things that you're doing. So I feel like the cat is kind of already out the bag. You already kind of mentioned that. I even mentioned it in the intro. I really want to get right to it. So the book. One, as someone who 
growing up, I, I feel like my my opinion about writing a book has changed. When I was growing up and I used to read books and um, whether it was required or whether it was just me just going to the library and trying to pick something, I felt like it was so hard to do that. Like I felt like publishing and just that process and just everything, it, it took a lot. And for me, it almost seemed something unconquerable. Like it was just like, it, that may not happen unless you really love that. But in talking to a lot of published authors, some of who I've even brought on the podcast, big shout out to Dave, Jay Desiree and a couple of others who I've spoken to, they've kind of eased my mind a little bit, or they've kind of debunked some of those myths and those stereotypes that I had about really the publishing process. No, do I think that it's just a walk in the park? Absolutely not. But I, it does seem a bit more realistic now. So can we just get into the book? Can we get into how this really came to be, what people can expect from this, what this process has even been like for you, getting everything together? Yeah, uh, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I guess to start with, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about the the actual decision to write the book, right? And they, I was talk, talking with a colleague of mine who is brilliant, and he was marketing his new book. And I'm like, hey, that's so cool. Because I knew he had been talking about it for like 20 years. I want to write this book. I want to write this book. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seemed to appear. And he said to me, he goes, Cynthia, there's, you've got it connect with this group called manuscripts and you'll have your book done within a year. And I, I said, you know, I trusted him. He's brilliant. So I did. And, and that's kind of how I came to write the book, the concept like you, like I'd thought about it for years and, and I thought about, yeah, I, I would, I should do that. And I just never did. Um, so that, that's how that, that whole concept happened so far. It's been a really, it's been a, a journey of like, you know, a roller coaster ride, yeah, you know, it's going really well. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, why did I start this? <laughs> um, I'm finding that the the writing of the book and getting the manuscript to the point where I've handed it into my um, publisher and now we're going through revisions, like that part, I, I was able to be very much in control of and, and I enjoyed doing that and I like the process. This part, of now like going out there and actually having to market a book is a whole different, it's harder than actually writing the book for me. No, I, I really could imagine that. And I, I feel like I relate to that sentiment so much about you hear people thinking about it, you hear people talking about it, and then all of a sudden, oh, there it is. And sometimes for us, it may seem like, wow, well, you were just doing this and doing that. And then this happened overnight. But you talk to that person, even hearing about you and what you had to go through, there, there are so many just ups and downs that come with this. There are some good days, there are some bad days, there are some days where you're motivated, you can make some things happen. And there are other days where writer's block is very much real. And you know, you may you may not make as much progress as you would have liked. But to, to now shift it and think about the marketing side, oh, that's a totally different piece. That's a totally different ball game in itself. So one, I have to commend you for that. I'm, I'm very excited to one, be able to tap into it myself, but also for my audience and everything of the sort. So dark drivers. When I first saw those two words put together, I was just like, wow, like, well, what does that mean? What is she doing? What is like, why, why those two words? How did that come together? I, I'm big on, I'm big on words. I'm big on names. I'm big on phrases. I even bought, talked to somebody a few episodes back, um, Pete Senna, and he had the words forward obsessed. And to just hear about two different words, but ultimately coming together to, to form a concept, I'm always very interested in that. So can we just, let's take even probably a further step back, and this may even be a lot more to unpack too. Where did this concept come from, and why is it so important to you? So the the term dark drivers, um, 
it, it kind of just evolved because the way I had made a lot of really stupid mistakes <laughs> through life, right? Um, and and I noticed patterns in those mistakes, like career decisions and, and, and so on. And I, and I noticed patterns. And the more I unpacked and the more I uncovered, I realized that they were very much connected to some false beliefs I had. So, so I'll, I'll like just put a pin in that for a second because that's kind of some background. But then I started incorporating that into the leaders I was working with. And I started watching that and observing that. And, and I noticed it more and more. So like these leaders could read books, leadership books all the time. As leaders, we all do. We're reading Simon Sinek and we're starting with why and we're leaning in and we're doing candor, you know, all these things. And they're awesome and they're wonderful, wonderful books. But what I've discovered is that none of them, there's worth absolutely nothing unless you first uncover your own dark drivers because you can't lead. So what a dark driver actually is, it's a memory or an experience or, and I'm going to use the word trauma very lightly because I'm not talking like this massive sexual, it could be, but trauma, I'm using it very lightly here. Something that happened in your past that stayed in, in, um, in your subconscious and you're really unaware of it and you think you're over it, but you're not. So if you can envision a, 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 you're in a swimming pool and there's about a hundred beach balls right under the water and you're holding them all down. These are your dark drivers and any minute one of them is going to pop up and smack you right in the face. And, and that's what they are. Wow. Okay. So I like, and I'm, and I'm, and time and time again, I, I really tell myself I'm so glad that I'm interested in things like this because every single time I may formulate my own idea, my own opinion, my own just meaning for it. And time and time again, I'm taught so much. I'm enlightened. I'm shown just where things come from. But I'm always very interested and impressed by how people came across these things, what they really had to do on their own. And what I'm hearing from you is that this was not an easy journey. Self-realization, self-discovery, being internal, having to deal with all of that is not easy, especially when it comes to things more so on the negative side, on that dark side, on that lightly used trauma, as you were saying. So for you, what was really that journey of self-realization? What was really that journey of self-discovery? How difficult was it for you to, one, have to take a step back and really figure out what was going on on your end, those thoughts, just those feelings, just those events, just those moments that happened that sometimes just couldn't escape you. And then from there, once you realize that, once you internalize, once you got to that point of, okay, I'm at, let's say I'm at ground zero right now. Like I'm at the bottom, I'm figuring myself out and everything. Like that. How was that like really then building yourself up? Because what I'm hearing from this too is that it was a learning experience. It wasn't always easy. You weren't always in control. You didn't always know kind of the right way, the right answer. So what really was that like to, one, have to take that step back, have to do that internal, have to do that reflection, but then along that journey of self-discovery, really coming to be the Cynthia that you are today. How much time do you have? <laughs> We're here all day, however much you need. <laughs> uh, so for me, it, it came to a point where I had, um, the, the, first of all, you, you need to understand there's a parallel, a very close parallel between our professional lives and our personal lives. So a lot of the patterns that we find ourselves in our personal lives, like for me, it was um, leaving relationships before someone had a chance to leave me. 
Not that they were going to, but in my head, they're they're out the door, right? So so multiple bad relationships. And professionally, it was the same thing. There I would quit jobs, be in there for a little while, then I'd quit. I and 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 I got to a point where I was like in my early 30s, and I'm like, all my friends are like succeeding, they're they're doing all these amazing things. They they're and I'm like just sitting here like a failure in, in my eyes, you know, I'm wrecking relationships, not keeping jobs. And I, and I kind of just hit this point where I, I was like crushed. And, um, so I, 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 I started doing some reading and I happened to come across Wayne Dyer and he had this, the one quote from Wayne Dyer was change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And so I took that in and then I started really doing a lot of self inner work. I started researching. I started reading a lot of psychology. I went back to school. I, I, there were just several years of, of rebuilding. And I was able to realize that the decisions I made and the choices I made came from my experiences growing up. As a very young child, my um, parents my mother was always like very afraid my father would leave. And she would always tell me that like as a little girl, like your dad is going to leave us. Your dad is going to leave us. And my father was very much um, a girls are supposed to be pretty girls are supposed to get married. So I have all this stuff going on in my head of what a woman's role is, what my role was in the world. And I had trouble with it because like, you know, I'm, I'm just me. I, I didn't know if I could stack up to all those images I had. Um, and so I kept failing. But when I connected them, when I recognized the exact experiences, which I cover in a lot more detail in the book, um, when I connected those together, I saw exactly what was happening. And it was like this light switch went on. It was like, oh my God, like you're you're living your life as though you're still like six. And, and you're hearing these these things. And what happens in, in our brain, and this I uncovered through all of my research, is the way memories are formed, right? So there, there are different stages to the way memories are formed. So when I say trauma of a, of a young child, right, you can take me as a seven or eight-year-old or even younger, I think, when my mom said, what if your dad leaves us? We're going to be destitute. We're going to be this. Well, in my mind, whatever whatever meaning I assign to that is that young child stuck in my subconscious. And then the subconscious goes about through life looking for proof, looking for proof that you're not good enough, looking for proof that you're going to fail, looking for proof that someone's going to leave you or you're going to lose a job. And, and, and it validates and it cements that memory. So your actions are really a, a, a method of trying to avoid ever feeling that again. And, and that's kind of what happened to um, with, with me. And as I experienced it, and then I went back and I got my master's degree and my career took off and all these things started changing because I realized in this six-year-old does not have to make my decisions. Like I can do this as a grown-up. And, you know, I got my master's degree and I, and I, 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 my like career literally took off and I was working in corporate and I was, um, I was seeing other people with these same things. And that's when I decided to go into my own um, coaching business and working with these executives. And I saw it time and time again, where like I have one who was brilliant PhD, 
brilliant guy, so smart. And yet no one would work with him. Like his career, he got as far as he could get based on his skill and talent. And like, everybody's like, we can't work with him. He's obnoxious. He's annoying. He's this, he's that. And we uncovered it and we just like peeled it back, peeled the onion. And it turned out that he was the youngest of seven siblings and he never could be heard. He always had the last word. And so he became obnoxious. And, and once we were able to uncover that, he could literally see, and he told me, he goes, Cynthia, I literally will step out of a meeting and walk out in the hall and say to myself, okay, that's the seven-year-old reacting. Chill out and let's go back in as the adult me. And it really changed his career. So that that's kind of how this all came about. And that's why I wrote the book. Wow. That's, even as you were talking, even as you were explaining the experience from his perspective, I'm even more so thinking about me just being 27, but also just some of the events, some of the feelings, some of the emotions, some of the, even the things that I heard was told by, by people who I looked up to, friends, family, parents, everything of the sort. And it's just like, wow, like even still, I saw how a lot of, the, how a lot of the younger me translated in my life now, or even my life in college, or even my life when I was getting my master's just the same, or even in high school. And I think about how, yes, I've grown from certain situations, how I feel like I've moved past certain things, but there's still that internal thought, like you said, that's like the seven-year-old, like that's the younger tomorrow, like the back then, or because I even, so one of my biggest things that I disclose to people that sometimes they have a very hard time um, accepting is that I used to have really, very bad anger issues, like a very bad temper. Like I, it was just like at the snap of a finger sometimes. And it was, sometimes it was just, well, if you ask me, sometimes it was warranted. Well, it was always warranted. But sometimes I, when I really look back on certain situations, it's just like, wow, like, why did I react like that? Or what triggered me or what else was going on? Was I having a bad day? Did somebody say the wrong thing to me? Is it because of the person and I didn't, you know? And even as I got older and I started to realize just my reaction in certain situations wasn't the same, or I would just internalize first, think about perspective, be, be able to try to, whether I agree with you or not, I always try to understand where you're coming from. And so once I started to think about it from that type of perspective, or like you said, walk out of meetings or just get some time to myself and really just think, it's just like, wow, like, a lot of these things sometimes are just not unpacked. They're not uncovered because as me, I'm a very internal person. I have not, you know, as somebody interested in therapy, but I'm not a talker per se. When people ask me what's going on in my life or parents or friends or anything, you can ask them. I would much rather be the person to hear you out all the time. Tell me what's going on. Let me listen. Let me give that advice. Let's figure some things out. And they always ask me, well, who do you talk to or what's going on with you or what's, what do you have going on or is everything okay? I just had a friend call me out a couple of days ago. She said, tomorrow, I feel like we talk all the time. You give me great advice about me, but you always tell me that everything's okay. And I know everything is not okay. And that's not to say that I don't think you're doing well, but come on, you're a human being. What's going on? Like what's happening? You never talk. And I really had no answer other than it's just what I'm used to. It's just that sometimes when I, when I do talk or when I do express myself, I don't always feel heard or understood. And for some people that can really shut you out and not really want you to, to do that. But I also recognize that I've had conversations with people where I've made myself vulnerable, where I've disclosed things that otherwise I may not have disclosed. And sometimes just that feeling of relief or just that weight lifted off, it feels, it's amazing. And I always just think to myself, like, wow, what, what experiences or what did I go through or what really happened for me to just want to become so internal? And now as I'm kind of, like you said, peeling back that onion and just realizing that I don't always have the best coping mechanisms. I sometimes don't express myself the way I should. 
I, I try to pour from an empty cup and I have nothing sometimes to give to people. And then when I, so slowly but surely, as I'm realizing that myself, it really makes me think back to my childhood and just everything I have going on. So even as you were telling the story about this gentleman, I'm just like, wow, like a lot of that resonated with me. And I really do like that. So with the book, do you feel like, do you feel like this is something you had to do? Do you feel like with just all the research, everybody who you've talked to, everything that you've even had to unpack on your own? Because I feel like some of the hardest reflection is self-reflection. Some of the hardest discovery is self-discovery. Some of the hardest realization is self-realization. So the fact that you were even able to do that with you, but then step into the coaching side of things and then help other people unpack, that can be really heavy. So did it come to a point with you where with everything that you've done research wise, with everything that you did, just talking to people, do you feel like the book was just another stepping stone to the foundation that you were trying to build? Do you feel like without the do you feel like without going this publishing route and without kind of coming out with this book that you would have you would need something else to kind of fill in that work? Like ultimately, what I'm asking is, do you feel like the book? was needed for what you do? Or do you feel like otherwise, had you not had this book, you kind of would have stepped into another space or another avenue and you would still been able to give that same value that you're giving now? I, I think that the story that you just told about yourself kind of answers that question. Because when I heard you speak, my coaching thing went on and I'm like, oh, what I love to dig into that, right? Because I, what, what, like all these things went up for me. Okay. There are probably so many dark drivers and we can learn to navigate them and we can be highly successful and we can sweep them under the rug. And, and there is a fine line like between therapy and coaching, right? Um, there, and, and therapy will help you uncover some of these things and go back and, 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 and heal wounds from your past where coaching goes back and they'll say, all right, let's figure this out and figure out how to move forward without having it underneath because things like anger issues or so on are those beach balls and we can hold them down so long and all of a sudden they're going to go. So because I know that 100% of us in this world have our own set of dark drivers, I felt like it was really important to, to have people start thinking about it instead of giving them another leadership book and telling them to start with why and learn their values and do all these things that are really powerful. They're useless until we do this. So that that's kind of where, where I would go. Now, the process that, that I use like in coaching um, as opposed to like in therapy is I use some NLP techniques to help people uncover their dark drivers, which would be, I would say something like, Tamar, can you remember the first time you felt like you were withdrawing into yourself? Can you remember an earlier memory and an earlier memory? And when we kind of walk back in a safe space and, and, and so on, you know, not in the middle of your podcast, but, but like you kind of peel that back in a really safe space after some trust has been developed. And when you get to that point, when, when like the light bulb comes on, I had one client who I actually highlight in the book who was able to trace it back literally to, she was about two and she remembered a memory of climbing out of her crib at night and her parents, I, in her memory, now understand she's two, right? So her memory of this experience was she was walking through the house, it was pitch black, it was dark, and, and she was terrified. She felt abandoned. Meanwhile, I think her parents were out in the yard or something, but this was very traumatic to this little girl at this time. And it that abandonment stuck with her through just like through everything throughout her life. And, and we uncover in the book how she had to learn to deal with those. But we had to trace back 
each step uh, until, but when, when it clicked on her and then she started saying, oh, and then, and then a few years later, this happened, which, which sealed that, which further confirmed that. So we get, we, we write these narratives in our head and we think we're not being heard or we think we have to go inside or we think we're being triggered or we think we're offended when it's really just false narratives that once we realize it, we can, we can control. Yeah. And I was even, as I was looking, I was, I'm loving looking at you, but as I was talking, I'm looking at you and I'm seeing certain things that I'm saying, but I'm seeing your face. So even to further like prove your point about how you were kind of just thinking about things and everything, but no, I, I get that. And I feel like sometimes we, we really have to, it's not until you take that step back. It's not until you really start to think and one memory brings about another memory and another memory and it just becomes this trickle down effect and what it can really do for you. But in that same breath, I also think to myself that we don't live in a perfect society. I know that there have been some people that when it comes to unpacking, when it comes to peeling back these onions, they may be a little reluctant. Like you said, trust is a big thing. And even sometimes with trust, people are still just walking on eggshells a little bit. So what have you found to be some great ways, to be some great strategies, to to ease the mind of people, to, to let them know that it's okay to really uncover these things. It's okay to have dark drivers. It's okay to, sometimes that beach ball, like you said, is going to come up. It's going to hit you in the face. It's going to happen. How do you then reassure people to, to continue to go, to continue to move through this process, to continue to feel as if a burden is being lifted, that weight is really coming off their shoulders? I, I have people really do a lot of journaling because they sometimes just getting it out on your own and writing it in person. A lot of my clients, we use a um, an app called Marco Polo where they can just record. Um, we use that all the time. And, and, and sometimes we'll just have a moment where they want to share and sometimes it's not on a call like this. Sometimes it feels, you know, that they have to get to the point where they have that trust with someone. And if they don't have that trust with someone, journaling about it themselves, you can unpack a lot of this yourself. And the key about understanding dark drivers is they're never going to go away. They will always be with you because all of these versions of you still exist. That six-year-old is still there. I mean, still going to try to protect you from feeling hurt again. They're still going to get defensive. They're still going to be there. But when you understand all of this, I use the analogy uh, a lot and I use it in the book where if you can just imagine that your life is this bus, right? And you see this bus coming up. It could be a Greyhound bus, it could be a school bus, whatever kind of bus you want to imagine. Um, I'm old, so I can always imagine the Partridge family bus, you know, <laughs> so, the, the buses. So you get on this bus and you step on and you look back and the bus is filled with passengers. Every single passenger on the bus is you. So there's you when you were five. There's you when you threw a temper tantrum at school. There's the you that threw a temper tantrum last week. There's the you that also started your podcast. And there's the you that you know, did all these amazing things and got your college degree and, and is running a successful business. All these versions of you are on the bus at any given time. So when you're in a situation professionally or personally, and things are going crazy, you can actually step on that bus and look around and say, okay, wait, who's driving right now? I think the six-year-old's driving. I better get that six-year-old out because I know there's another piece of me, another version of me that can drive. And that other version is going to open up a whole new world for me right now. I love that. I that's a man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to steal something from you now. I, I I like that one a lot because even as you're 
even as you're explaining that, I'm just like, wow, I can definitely tell when just different fa- different stages and different phases of my life where different Tamars, in a sense, took over or where different Tamars were in the driver's seat or where they were in control and what was really, why was I really acting like that? Different influences and everything. So to really just, it's one thing like, I guess when you think about it, just yourself, sometimes consciously, unconsciously, if somebody else says something, but it's another thing to really hear you explain it, to really hear it broken down. And then it makes you just, because everything you've said, whether you were explaining um, the side of someone else, whether you were explaining what happened with you or whether you were just explaining kind of the principles and the foundation behind all of this, I'm just resonating with it, but I'm taking piece by piece here and plugging it into me and realizing that, wow, this, this can certainly exist, which is why I love this because oftentimes I feel like with the podcast, we highlight specific niches or we highlight specific things geared towards one set of one, maybe one gender, maybe one age, maybe one socioeconomic status, maybe maybe just one industry. But I feel like with this, it's so universal because like you said, we all have them. We're going to continue to have them as life goes on. But it's also too about the response and what we do, how we peel back that onion. And sometimes it's not its not always gonna be easy. Some some onions are gonna get peeled back a little bit quicker than others. Some onions are bigger than others. You know, we go into a grocery store, it's all different types of things. You got the red onions, you got the white onions, you got, you got everything. I've, I've been big on cooking shows lately, so I've been watching my Iron Chef and my Beat Bobby Flay. So it's all types of things out there, you know? So to really hear you kind of explain it like that, it even like you said, when I asked my own question, when I asked my earlier question about the book, I feel like I already knew the answer, but I needed to hear that just because it's just like, wow, like it's not really until you really start to dive into things or start to break things down or write things down. I love Marco Polo, by the way, a really great app that I discovered in grad school that is very clutch for just like you said, if you have a moment or keeping in contact or keeping in touch or just something that you want to just get off really quick. Okay, so I'm thinking about what you do. I'm thinking about what you've done already, the impact that you've made in people's lives, the impact that you're going to continue to make, the the monumental effect that this book is going to have. I'm very excited for it. And it ultimately, one of the words that really comes to mind with me is leadership. And it's it's about how there are so many different leadership styles. It's about how everybody's definition of a leader is different. Yes, some of the characteristics may remain true, but you ask my definition of a leader and your definition of a leader, while it may share similarities, there's probably going to be some differences in there. So with you particularly, with you thinking about who you're working with, with you thinking about sometimes working on yourself, other people, the coaching, the team that you have around you, everything of the sort, what what role has stepping into leadership really played in all of this? Have you have, have you felt at certain points that your leadership was challenged? Have you felt like you've had to change leadership styles in a sense to a, because you work with a host of different people, clients are different and you can't approach everybody with the same clear cut and concise blueprint per se. So you have to adjust and you have to tail a little bit. So when it comes to leadership, your team and what you have going on on your end, how would you kind of describe that? Give us a little bit of an insight as to your process and what goes through your mind as you're working. So, well, first of all, I, I, I think you're right. That when I started the book, um, honestly, I didn't start it off to be a leadership book. I just started it off and just going to be just a self-help book, you know, because everyone has this. But because everything I do and everything I breathe is leadership, right? I'm a leadership coach. It just kind of evolved. So the book is actually this like, it's it's a cross genre, right? So So it is a leadership book that's going to help leaders and it's a self-help book that's going to help your stay-at-home parent as well. But 
when, when it comes to leadership, I, I felt that this was so important, especially now, because leaders and organizations, like one, one of the blogs I wrote recently, like one of the comments that, that I wrote in the blog was that the next mass shooter could be in the cubicle right next to you. And they don't know it and you don't know it. But when we learn to have empathy for others in a different way, we can be there to support one another. So, and what that means in in context of dark drivers is not that every leader needs to go and be a therapist or should they be. But when we uncover our own dark drivers and when we do that work in of ourselves, we develop empathy in a way that we could never have developed it before. So I can look at you or I can look at another leader and I don't see them just in this role anymore. I don't, I don't see my employees just in their role. I see their employee, these employees as these people standing in this pond with a gazillion beach balls underneath. And so when I see them triggered, I, I don't have to say, tell me what happened in your childhood. I can just know, I can recognize and say, hmm, that person's dealing with something. And, and back off and I can change the dynamic, diffuse the situation in that moment with empathy. And then later go back and ask this person, can I support you in any way? Like I noticed that seemed to bother you. So this book I'm hoping can dramatically change the way people lead in this post COVID dysfunctional <laughs> world we're currently living in. Um, because I think it's a critical skill and we talk about empathy and, and everybody says, oh, I'm empathetic and we have to be empathy. We have to have empathy to be leaders, but really getting to the bottom of your own, I almost swore, your own stuff, <laughs> that's empathy because now you understand what other people are dealing with. More than welcome to swear on here, by the way. I just don't swear a person, or I, I have, I think. But my grandma listens to this podcast, so I yeah, try to keep. I, I know better, but sometimes it's it's all, but you you caught yourself, so that's okay. So I I, I really do love. I, I'm not going to lie. I feel like I love I love everything. So I love just this conversation because it's really, in a sense, it's, it's calling me out again. Like I feel like you know you called me out before the podcast in a great way, of course. But I feel like with this, it's really triggering me and it's really showing me that, and not even triggering in a bad way, but really just letting me know that God is placing God has placed my last few interviews in my life very strategically. And I feel like it may not have been something that I needed in the moment, but needed to pass on to someone else or some things I have to take for me. So I'm one, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to just going back and listening to this and really from the from the side of not really being the interviewer in a sense, but really from the audience side. But two, I'm really just enjoying this because it's just like, wow, so many of us are ultimately going through the same umbrella of things. Now, where we are in that umbrella, where we what beach ball we're having pop up is totally different, but ultimately we're all still floating. We're all still trying to figure out what's happening, what's going on. So I also think about how that's not the easiest thing to do. It's not easy to to call yourself out in a sense or to say something is is not right or to but then to act on it. So with with all the work that you've done, what has really kept you going through this all? Is it the passion? Is it just the impact that you're seeing in other people's lives? Is it a host of is it a host of things that because I, I think about how this can be really heavy for some people. And one, it can be heavy to internalize that on your own. But then when you offer yourself up to other people, some people have some stories out there. 
And sometimes it that empathy, man, it really changes. It, it, it can take you out the therapist mindset. That's why I take my hat off really to therapists and coaches, because some of the things that y'all probably hear and have to and have to really respond to from the therapist or the coach side, that's hard because we're all human beings. So in this work, in what you're doing from the book to just the coach, to the clients, to everything, what has kept Cynthia motivated? What has really kept her going to really continue to unpack these things, not only in her life, but in the lives of others? Honestly, it's because of my own dark drivers and doing everything as young as I did. And, and because of what I believed about my role in the world, I got married very young and I had children very young. So my dark drivers were in full swing as I'm a young mom. And the unfortunate thing about dark drivers is we just pass them down <laughs> to our to our children, you know? So I think the more work I did on myself and the more passion I got for that was was to make sure that I could not pass down or I could undo, like if, if only parenting had a rewind button, like why did I say that when she was three? Oh, I pooch. Um, you know, like, so, so we don't have that. Um, we don't have that rewind button. So me doing this work and, and showing it to other people will maybe help eliminate some young parent from making some of the mistakes. I mean, fortunately my kids grew up despite my screw ups. They're, they're wonderful people, but I know they probably had their own dark drivers that I was like the author of. And, you know, I, I owe them to, to help others. I love that. Uh, one, because that's a very, it's a selfless approach. And it's not, and it's not to say that anyone who wouldn't answer the way that you have is selfish or, or not selfless, but it also just goes to show sometimes how life has a crazy way of just putting things in our, in, in front of us or behind us or to what what we what we're called to sometimes be our life's work we don't even know i talked on my my last episode about how he was just he was gung-ho about sprinting and just being a marathon runner and going all of that and until one day a traumatic event that he had no control over happened to him and it completely shifted his mindset now and so i i just love that because i often feel like it's the beauty of life while in the moment we may not realize why this happened i didn't deserve that what did I do wrong to do? We, we take it so just personal, but sometimes it's really God's way of redirecting us or keeping us on the path that we were already on. It's, it's not, nobody wants to go through anything, tragedy, trauma, anything bad. No, but we don't live in a perfect world, in a perfect society. So sometimes it really takes that, but it takes not only going through that, but growing through that just the same. So I think about how we've touched on so much today, but I also think about how there are going to be some people here who, don't have the, it, it's hard to internally reflect. Like I said, even me being a, a very internal person, I have trouble doing that sometimes. I have trouble really just taking a step back and and seeing my, I guess seeing myself in the situation from another perspective. But something I've really grown in my years now is perspective. Whereas before, I really used to be tomorrow's way or the highway. Like, especially if it didn't make sense or if I didn't agree or if I knew you were dead wrong, I'm a very logical person. But I also had to recognize everybody doesn't operate like that. It's not to say that, not calling you dumb or anything like that, but some people are more optimistic than logical. Some people are more just empathetic than logical. So for me, I, I place logic at the forefront of everything, but I had to learn to appreciate others. And it's even strengthened, I would say, my characteristics when it comes to empathy. It strengthened my optimism. It strengthened all of that because I'm hearing other people. And I'm just like, well, wow, that was a perspective I never really thought about. Or that was something I didn't even really consider because I was just so locked in here. So 
to everybody tapping into this interview, do you feel like there's anything that we haven't touched on today? Anything that they can even look forward to? Because like I said, I know we're going to have some newcomers coming up on. We're going to have some people who are new concept. And I know we're going to have some people along the way who know that they need to do some self-reflection, but it's not the easiest thing for them to do. So do you, do you, is there anything that you want to even leave for the people out there, for my business owners, for my entrepreneurs, for my creators, for all the human beings just tapping into this episode when it comes to just a lot of what we touched on today, a lot of what will happen moving forward from what's going to happen and take place and what they can expect from the book to even just what they can start doing in their own life to really maybe just help and start this process or maybe even take start to help them peel back some of those layers of the onion that they may have just been trying to mask or avoid for quite I, some time. I think it's important for people to start to look for patterns in their life and in their behaviors because that that's where we start to really uncover things. If you notice like in 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 relationships I'm doing x y and z when I get to work, I'm, you know, my, my spouse says this about me or my partner says this about me. And yeah, so do my colleagues. Like, what's up with this? There may be some truth to this and, and where is it coming from? Or am I making the same mistakes all the time? Am I constantly, you know, do I, do I make a lot of money and then spend a lot of money? Like, what, what are the patterns in my life? And if you can start to uncover the patterns, you're going to start to see that maybe there's something more to them than just like it's not happening to you. You have more, you're, you're more involved than you think, but it might not be consciously. So you want to start thinking about those patterns. And, and, and if, if it's something that's big and like you had this big real trauma, like, you know, horrible thing, you know, therapists are wonderful to help you. But if you're just like dealing with like your, your childhood, you know, bullies and, and stuff that, that you're trying to overcome because you wrote the wrong narratives, a coach can help you, but you don't have to be held back by it. And whether you're an entrepreneur or a parent or, or an executive, it will hold you back. You know, even if you're super successful, you could be more if you can uncover these. Woo! I love that. Like, I, see, I told y'all at the beginning, I'm going to just let Cynthia take over. She's going to enlighten me. She's going to teach me something, but she's also going to come with the, with just with the energy, with the facts, but with everything. But what I'm really hearing ultimately through all of this is just the passion. It's just the love, not only for one, what you do and what you're, what you're going to continue to do, but just the love for wanting to assist others and just recognize that you were there at one point. You were in some low places, some low spaces, but you got up out of it. And sometimes some days were very dark for you. Some days were very bright for you. But ultimately, you recognize that even through this process, you're grateful for it all. And I think that that's what it really takes sometimes. The moment you become grateful. And I saw a post today that said, you're letting your bad days affect you too much. You're not letting your good days affect you enough. And I said, wow, like you think about it, like when you have a good day, like it's just a good day. You kind of just go through it and you don't really think too much of it. Like, OK, that was supposed to happen today. But man, when you have a bad day. You might let some people know about it. You might take it over to the next day. You might even remember, like you said, if it was a bad day at work, you may come into work now with just um, some some preconceived notions and everything of this sort. So, Cynthia, I really am I'm loving everything that you're doing. I'm excited for my audience to be able to tap into this book. So big shout out to you for thinking through that process. You even kind of lit a fire under me now. I need to start getting my, my, my book process together so some years from now we can make some things happen. But I did not know about manuscript, so I'm going to have to tap into that. That was definitely a resource as well. But before we officially close out and end everything, this is arguably one of the most important parts of the interview because this is really acting on, well, this is really giving a call to action to everybody. And that's what we love here on the podcast. 
podcast. Can you just tell everybody the best places to reach you, website, how to come in contact, how to even explore where, where they can expect the book? Yeah, so right now we are in the pre-launch of the book. And for anyone who is familiar with um, the writing process, the pre-launch is probably the most important thing for any author. So right now the book is still in revision. So it's about four months from actually being out four to six months from actually being out. But the number of books we sell in this 30 day period will make a huge difference to how that book hits the bestsellers list and where it gets on the, you know, where it gets placed for sales and everything. So it's really critical. So they can click the link that I can provide for you to go and, and, grab a copy at the pre-launch. And if you get a copy in the pre-launch, there's all, all kinds of other opportunities where I can come and speak to your group. Um, or I'm doing these fireside chats for book club people. Can I have a book club? So I, you know, that it's like, you always like to hear from the author and have those conversations. So there's some like extra opportunities for people that, that buy in the, in the pre-launch. So that's, that's an important thing. And beyond that, um, my website, CynthiaCorsetti.com. And which for anyone looking for coaching or or team development in organizations, we 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 develop leaders like that's our passion and we love what we do. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it all. And I don't know about y'all. I'm, I'm getting my copy. So I'm going to give two people the opportunity. One, if you stuck with us this long in the interview, if you skipped around, whatever. I know how y'all, I know how some of y'all get y'all. Y'all try to stay for the treats and surprises. So look, I'm giving two people the opportunity. I will buy your copy for you. So if you just, all you have to do is just hit me up. You can call me, text me, DM us, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, we're everywhere. I just want something. I just want you to hit me up and just let me know something that resonated with you with this episode. And that's all I need. And the first two people to do that, your copy is on down to business. So let's definitely make that happen for Cynthia. Like she said, this is a very crucial and integral part of the process. And we were able to hear at the beginning of the interview, just everything that she had to go through. And I know I'm going to have some authors tapping in so y'all can probably even relate and resonate. So let's show love. Let's build community. Let's definitely be more collaborative as one because you know that's what we appreciate. But Cynthia, thank you. Thank you, like I said, one, just for coming on here. Thank you for even pre-checking about the technical difficulties and everything. We, we This is a very smooth interview. And thank you even for the feedback that you gave me. I, I really always am very interested, one, how people come across the podcast, but I'm always very interested in just what they think. And I, I love all feedback. I love good feedback. I love bad feedback. But your feedback definitely made me smile. And like I said, I hope I brought my A++ game today. So everybody who continuously taps in to everybody on my IG live that's showing love to everybody who's going to come across this interview, whether you're listening to it, whether you're watching it, Cynthia sharing it with you, you got the book and everything like that. I thank y'all. I love y'all. This has been another episode of the down to business podcast here with Tamar Turner.